Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. That was just awesome. Everybody stand for the reading of God's Word. If you're ready, shout, bring it on. My goodness, I'm wanting you. I feel like preaching. Come on, let me hear from you if you're hungry today. Come on. I've started a new series called God's House and subtitled it, What's the Big Deal? And I want you to understand from this series and this message that God's house is a big deal. The church is a big deal. I've heard people say, I am the church, and that's all good, but you know, if you think you're the church by yourself, you're you're not just on an island, you are fantasy island. Come on, somebody. The church is the iglesia, it's the called out ones. It is the ones that God has called together, and the assembling together of the church and the connection to other believers, that's God's idea. So today I just want to talk to you about the fact that that God's house is a big deal, and I believe I've got a word for you. We're coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, all my live streamers, I'm so glad you're with me. Verse 1, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation, one translation said his connection to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. I told first service, that must have taken a while, come on. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba observed all of Solomon's wisdom, the palace that he had built, the food on his table, his servants' residence, his attendants' service, and their attire, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he offered at the Lord's temple. It took her breath away. One translation said, when she saw his ascent to and from the temple, it took her breath away. I want to speak for a few minutes along these lines. Can today's church still take the world's breath away? I want to be a part of a church that is so full of the power of God that it takes your breath away. How many of you want to be a part of a supernatural house? Slip up your hands. Father, thank you. You are our chief priority and our pursuit. I pray today that you will anoint me to preach and anoint your people to hear. It's a big deal. Your house, your presence, your word, it's a big deal. We give you praise. Somebody who loves the Lord, give the Lord the ovation of praise right now. Come on. And you can be seated. The Bible said when she saw his ascent to and from the temple, the 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 Bible says it took her breath away. I want to say something to you today. If there's ever been a time when we need the church to be more relevant, to be more of a priority in our world, the time is now. We need the church to to help the issues that this world has by being relevant, but by also being full of the power of God. 
Now, I want to use as a backdrop for this teaching the story of Solomon and his encounter with the Queen of Sheba. And there are several things in this discourse of Scripture that can apply to us here today. And I want you to grasp, I want you to understand why God's house is a big deal. Gathering with God's people is a big deal. Now, as we look at this story, there's no denying the fact that Solomon had it going on. Solomon was a man with an incredible touch of God on his life. He, he had such a, a touch of God on his life that the Queen of Sheba heard about it. And for this cause, she came to Solomon to see for herself and to get some answers. And the Bible says in verse 1 that when, when the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation, one translation says his connection to the name of the Lord, that she came and she had questions for him. Now, I want you to hear me today. I want you to make no mistake about this at the inception of this word. The Bible says when the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his connection to the name of the Lord, that that's when she was interested in him. That's when she came to find out what was up. See, make no mistake about it. What made Solomon great was not his wealth. He was a wealthy man, but that was not what made him great. He was an influential man, but that was not made what made him great. He had his house. He had his resources. He was a man of great wisdom, but in the end, that was not what made him truly great. What made Solomon great was his connection to the Lord. What made him great was his connection to God. He would have been nothing without his connection to the Lord. Without God, he would have just been another king. Without God, he would have just been another man. But his connection to God set him apart. He would have been nothing without his connection to the name of the Lord. And I want to tell you something, neither will we. We are nothing without our connection to God. His connection to the Lord made him famous. His connection to the Lord put him on the map. His connection to the Lord gave him a name. His connection to the Lord brought him the advantages that he enjoyed. And here's the real question. Here's the real question that I posed this morning. Is the church connected enough to God that the world can't help but be drawn to us? I want to tell you what makes Calvary great is that we are connected to the Lord. What makes this house something special is that we are connected to the Lord. And I want the community, I want the world to talk about us because we have a touch of God on this house. The ultimate draw of our churches in here, in Ormond Beach, in, uh, in Palm Coast, in Orlando, and in New Smyrna, the ultimate draw is the power of God in this place. It's not our facilities, it's not our communicators, it's not our relationships. It's not our phenomenal music. It's not incredible music, incredible outreach. It's not our great life groups. It's not just our awesome programs. It's not even inspiring preaching. All this is good, but at the end of the day, it does not mean anything if we are not connected to another world. <laughs> 
I gotta be a part of a church where we are connected to God. What makes us irresistible? What makes people wanna come to Calvary? What's gonna pack that building out tonight in Palm Coast is not just that Calvary's coming, it's that the presence of God is gonna fill that school. We are connected to the Lord, hallelujah. Hear me in this room, when people hear about us, they wanna come because people just like you ought to walk out of this place and say, God is in that church. God's power is in that church. God's glory is in that church. God's anointing is in that church. God's healing is in that church. God's salvation is in that church. God's miracle working power is in that church. God's deliverance is in that church. And that's why I'm in that church. Hallelujah. Somebody make a little noise if you want to be a part of a church that's connected to the name of the Lord. I want people to walk out of here and know that there is something in this house from another world. Here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've discovered. The church will become more powerful and more relevant and more unstoppable the more connected we remain to God. Now, here it is. We've got to stay connected to the name of the Lord. There's nothing more important or valuable or necessary than being connected to his name and his presence. So here's what the Queen of Sheba did. The Bible says in, in chapter 10, verse 1, that she came, watch, to test him with hard questions. She came to Solomon, and here's what she's looking for. She's looking for answers. Now, I want you to understand this, y'all. She wasn't poor, she was wealthy. She wasn't weak, she was powerful. And she was a worshiper. She worshiped her own array of false gods. But all this, her money, her influence, her power, and her false gods had left her empty and wanting. So she came, looking for answers she said I have all this but I need some answers I'm looking for answers I want you to mark this down in the 21st century people are coming to the church with hard questions and the truth is we must ask ourselves do we still have answers this is the time when the world is dealing with hard questions People are looking for answers, and too much of the church is silent. Too much of the church has hit the mute button, and we are not answering the hard questions. So often we don't talk about right and wrong. We don't address painful issues. We don't deal with the real crux of the matter that folks are dealing with when they come into the house of the Lord. They're coming with hard questions. They're coming with issues, and the church is quiet. We're not talking about depression and weariness and addiction and racism and sexual bondages and abandonment and worry and betrayal but make no mistake about it they're coming and they're looking for answers and I've got to come to a church where when I'm looking for an answer I can find it in the house of the Lord if the church wants to be more in the world today folks we've got to provide answers Come on, that means you've got to be willing to be uncomfortable once in a while because I've got to address painful situations because the church is not a museum, it's a hospital. 
It's not a country club where good people hang out, but it is a hospital where sometimes people come in and they're jacked up. But so often we have such a spirit of religion that rests in so many churches and such an attaboy, it's got to be like this mentality that rests in so many churches that even though this is an emergency room, people will come in and hide their wounds because they don't want to be seen for the struggle that they are going through. How tragic would it be to go to an emergency room and be about to die but hide your wounds because you're ashamed of how you've got them? Let me tell you something. Come all ye who are weary and heavy laden. There is a God that will give you rest that can heal every issue. He is the God of the hard thing. Mm. The church wants to be more in the world today. Hear me. We need to provide answers. And you know what? Here's what I want you to understand. We still have answers. Don't let the devil fool you. We still have answers. The Bible is still full of hope. The church with all its issues still has answers. The church with all its problems, we can still deal with hard questions if we're willing to provide the answers. The Holy Spirit moving in the house, y'all, that's still the answer. A radical praise and worship, y'all don't say nothing. It's still the answer. Healing is still the answer. Deliverance is still the answer. The cross is still the answer. The Holy Ghost is still the answer. The blood is still the answer. The gospel is still the answer. Every hurting, confused, addicted, jacked up, messed up, wounded person needs to know you can come into Calvary, come with your struggles, come with your issues, come with your bondages, come with your problems, come with your questions. The church has answers. How many of you found an answer in the presence of the Lord? You found an answer in the church. Give God a praise if you're glad about it. Come to Jesus. I said, come to Jesus. I said, come to Jesus. Listen, there was a translation that I read of Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 that blew my mind and I had to record it and share it with you. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? How many of you know this world will wear you out? It will burn you out. It will tire you out. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover life. Listen, don't get it bent. The church has Jesus, and as long as we got Jesus, we got answers. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want my young people, I don't want my girls, I don't want my son finding answers on YouTube. I don't want them seeking social media to find out how to act. I don't want them to get their clues from Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or Snapchat. Y'all ain't saying, I don't want them to have to Google what to, do, what to do when they're going through a problem. I want them to come into this house and there's so much Jesus in this house that I take that same Jesus to my house hallelujah the church still has answers make a little noise if you believe that Jesus is the answer <sighs> we still got answers I'm, I said we still got answers 
the Republicans, the Democrats, the Independents, come on, the Green Party, the Red Party, the Blue Party, and the Purple Party. They don't have the answers, but let me tell you, there is an answer. His name is Jesus Christ. He wasn't voted on. He wasn't elected. He can't be impeached, and he will not resign. Baby, he was reigning in the beginning, and he's going to be reigning in the end, and he'll be the answer as long as there's a question. If you got Jesus, you got an answer. Push your neighbor and say, we still have answers. Now, the Bible says in verse 2, she arrived at Jerusalem mm -hmm, with a very great caravan, with camels, carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones. She had it going on. I said she had it going on. She came up in Cadillac camels, Mercedes mules. Come on, y'all. Rolling in on a Lexus llama. Y'all ain't saying nothing. She came to Solomon, and she came carrying unevil, an unbelievable amounts of wealth and resources. And she basically said, I have all this. Do you have anything better than what I already have? Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. She said, Solomon, I've got all this. Do you have anything better than what I've already got? I think the church today is asking, the world today is asking the church, do you have something better than what I've already got? Do you have something better than what I've already got? That's why, that we've got to be so careful. I'm watching preachers, they desire to be so relevant to the world. That's why we've got to be so careful preachers. We've got to be so careful leaders that in our desire to be relevant to this world, that we don't just become more of what they've already got. I wish I could find somebody to say amen. We're trying to be so cool and we're trying to be so unoffensive that we're trying to make everybody feel like it's all right. It's all right. We don't want to confront you. We don't want to preach a gospel that makes you uncomfortable. We want to be completely relevant. We want to let you know that whatever you do, it's cool. However you live, it's cool. And I think we are at a place where we have been trying to become so relevant that we are becoming irrelevant. I'm going to come down there and shout myself down. We must be careful that in our desire to be relevant to this world that we don't give them already what they've got. They need to come into the house of the Lord and know that there is something different in that house. There is something powerful in that house. Somebody make a little noise if you know what I'm talking about today. This queen of Sheba came and she said, in essence, she said, I've got all this. Do you have anything better than what I've already got? And that's what the world is saying to the church today. Now, who would admit that maybe in life you've had some great opportunities, you've had a few great relationships, wave at me if that's you. Maybe you've been blessed with a thing or two. Come on, make a little noise if God has blessed you. Maybe the Lord has smiled on you. Maybe you've done well in life. Maybe, maybe you've, you've had some things come your way. Maybe you've had some doors open. But I want to tell you, you're just like me. Regardless of what you've had, regardless of what you possess, regardless of the doors that have opened and the opportunities that have manifested, nothing compares to Jesus. Push your neighbor and say, nothing compares to Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell three or four people around you, nothing compares 
to Jesus. Nothing compares, I don't care what it is, nothing compares to Jesus. No high, no relationship, no resource, no job, no title, no amount of money, nothing I have compares to Jesus, nothing compares to Jesus. There ain't nobody like Jesus. There's nobody that can love me like Jesus. Nothing compares to Jesus. Nothing I live in, nothing I drive, nothing I wear, nothing I own, nothing I possess, nothing I have compares to Jesus. You can't give me a car that compares to Jesus. You can't give me a house that compares to Jesus. Baby, you could hit the lotto at a billion dollars and still have nothing when you compare it to Jesus. The world wants to know, does the church have anything to offer that is better than what they already got? Let me tell you, there ain't nobody like Jesus. There ain't nothing like Jesus. Nothing compares to Jesus. Make a little noise if you hear me today. They're looking. The world's looking. They want to know, do you have anything better than what I've already got? Money is not going to do it for you, baby. I know a lot of people who have money, but they're miserable. I know a lot of people who are broken happy. Come on, somebody. Money, money, is not, money is not the key. Jesus is the key. See, they're looking. Do we have anything better? The fact is, no matter what they bring, there's nobody like Jesus. Young person, there's nobody like the Lord. But here's the question. Does he still impress you? Does Jesus still thrill your soul? Do, do you still keep falling in love with him over and over and over again? Does he still take your breath away? Does he still thrill you? Does he still mean everything to you? Is he still more wonderful than your mind can conceive? Is he still more marvelous than your heart can believe? Does he still go beyond your highest dreams? Is he still, oh come on, make a little noise if there's nobody like Jesus. Oh, if he's still magnetic to you, make a little noise. If he's still incredible to you, make a little noise. If he's still awesome to you, clap like you love Jesus. Shout like you love Jesus. Nothing compares to Jesus. Ah, oh, there's a lot of good things in my life. I gotta stay and get on my nose, but let me tell you, there's nobody like Jesus. Now, she came to him with hard questions. She brought her stuff. She brought all that she had. She said, this is what I got, man. Do you have anything better than what I have? And then the Bible says this. The Bible says that, that she asked him hard questions. Now, we all know, I'm like Solomon. Solomon said in, 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 in Solomon 510 in the Song of Solomon, I concur with him, Jesus is still the fairest of 10,000. So we already know that nobody is like Jesus, but she came and she asked hard questions. And the Bible said Solomon answered all her questions <laughs> and nothing was too hard for him. Now this is mighty to me. She was so hungry for answers, y'all, that she had traveled 1,400 miles through the desert, a six-month journey each direction. So she was in the desert for a year trying to get to Solomon because she had hard questions and she was looking for answers. She went through a lot to get to him. She went through something. Eh, 
to get to him. And much of the world is going through a lot. They're going through addiction. They're going through sickness. They're going through betrayal. They're going through abandonment. They're going through isms and schisms and anxiety and poverty and big problems. And dear God, if they're going to go through it to get to it, when they get here, if they got a hard question, we need to be the place where God's presence is that we can provide answers. I know I may be reiterating what I've already said, but can the world still find a supernatural God in the church that can handle their heart issues? I want to tell you this world is looking for the supernatural. This world is looking for a place where they can find an answer. This world is looking to get connected enough to God that when they come in here, they find something out that there ain't nothing too hard for the Lord to do. There's not a lot that Jesus can't redeem. There's not an issue that Jesus can't handle. There's not a problem too big for your God. There's not a hope that he can't restore. There's not a world that he can't put back together. There's not a family that he can't touch. There's not a child that he can't rescue. There's not a daughter that he can't redeem. There's not a past that he can't forgive. There's not a future that he can't set right. There's not one thing that is too hard for the Lord to do. There's not an addiction that he can't break. There's not a mountain that he can't move. There's not a problem that he can't solve. He's a big God. He can do anything. He can handle every problem. We got answers. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. Somebody praise a mighty God. High five three people and tell him he's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. I searched all over. Couldn't find nobody greater than my God. Jeremiah said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything, anything, anything too hard for me to do? I want the world to know. I want everybody with a problem to know here today, nothing's too hard for the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to know, come in here and find it out. Praise God. I said, praise God. Who used to be more messed up than you are right now? Come on, who's come out of a mess? Who made it through depression? Who made it through death? Who made it through trial? Who made it through, dear God, I dare you to give a mighty God a big praise. Now look back at the text. It said, when she saw the palace that he had built. Now this is awesome. His palace was his place of rest. It was his place of restoration. It was the place where he could come in and find solitude. And the fact that he had this place of rest was amazing to her. And here's the question I want to ask. Is the church still a place of rest for a weary world? Huh? His palace was his place of rest and restoration. And I want to ask you, can, can they come through the doors and find rest? I'm talking about anybody. I'm talking about everybody. Can they come to Calvary? Can they come to any of our campuses and find rest? 
Or do they find criticalness? Or do they find religion? Or do they find denominationalism? Or do they find divisions? Or do they find schisms and racisms and isms and exclusivity and hatefulness? What do they find? Can they walk in this place and find that they are welcome here, issues and all? Okay, I'm preaching now. Just a minute ago, you were shouting, can they walk in this place and find out that even though their behavior is not acceptable, they are accepted? Can they walk in this place and find out that this is a place where I can be forgiven? This is a place where I can be redeemed and restored? See, I got to come to church where I can go to church where I ain't got nothing to prove. I can't come to church where I got to prove anything. I don't want to be in church where I got to be this or I got to be that baby. I got to come to church where I can arrive jacked up. I got to come to church where I can be crying all week long. I got to come to church where you don't look at me funny if I sit and tremble, if I sit in there and squall. I got to come to church where sometimes I can show my brokenness and it'll be all right. Can they come to church and find rest? They can't find it out there, but dear God, they ought to be able to find it in here. Don't you look down your nose at somebody who's struggling. Don't you act like you're better than them. Don't you let a religious spirit get a hold of you. Baby, we need to let people come in here and even though they are messed up, you ain't got nothing to prove. Hallelujah, we accept you just like you are. And even though you're unacceptable, we will accept you and as we accept you, the God that we serve will transform your life and deliver you from every bit of bondage that is jacking you up right now and you shall be delivered in the name of Jesus. Where they gonna go if they can't come here? Where they gonna go if they can't come to Calvary? Where they gonna go? They gonna go to the crack house? They'll go to the club? No, I say whosoever will. Bring your broke down mess right here. Bring your struggle right here. There is a God who will pick you up out of the miry clay. There is a God who will set you on high. Tell your neighbor, don't you dare forget. Don't you dare forget. Don't you dare forget where you were. Don't you dare forget your impropriety. Don't you dare forget how good God's been to you. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I can't take religion, y'all. I can't take criticalness. That's the kind of church you want. You're going to be miserable every day on every campus, every weekend at Calvary. Because let me tell you something. Here's the deal. They've got to come here and find a place where they can rest, even if they're struggling, where they will hear truth now. Don't get me wrong. We will talk about the hard issues because look at what the Bible says. When she saw the food on his table. One translation said when she saw the meat and the bread. Study your Bible. Meat and bread are symbols of the word of God in the Bible. When the Bible talks about bread and when the Bible talks about meat, it's talking about the word of God. And I'm telling you, we still need, look at me now, we still need the word of God to be preached in the house of God. 
I said we got to have the Word of God preached in the house of God. And here's my question, does the church still have enough meat and bread to satisfy a hungry world? Are we preaching enough Bible? Come on now. I said, are we preaching enough Bible? Preacher, preach the Bible. Preacher, preach the Word. God's Word preached in God's house is a big deal. I heard somebody say the other day, I can't come to Jim Israeli's church because he don't preach with a robe on. I can't really hear what he has to say because he's not wearing a robe. Let me tell you something. If it's going to take me wearing a robe for you to hear the word of the Lord, you need to get your ears checked in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you something, young preacher, I don't care about what you're wearing. I care about what you're saying. Y'all better give the Lord a praise in here because I'm about to go off. I am tired and weary of you got to wear this. You know, I don't care what you're wearing, young preacher. I don't care if you wear tennis shoes. I don't care if you're on preachers and sneakers. I don't care if you wear Gucci or Puma or I don't give a rip about any of that. I don't care what you're wearing. I care about what you're saying. I don't, I don't want Jesus. I don't want to hear about Drake. I don't want to hear about Beyonce. I don't want to hear about hip hop. I want to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care about your skinny jeans. I don't care about your robe. I don't, yeah, I don't care about your collar. I don't care how cool you're, baby. Just get up and whatever you're wearing, preach the word. Preach the word. Preach the word. Somebody make a little noise if you want the word. Do your job. Some of y'all preachers, all y'all watch me every week. Many of you are watching me right now. I, you, you watch me every week on Instagram. And, or not Instagram, but YouTube. And some of y'all are watching me right now. Let me tell you something, young preacher. Do your job. Preach the word. Get off of Instagram, shut down social media long enough that you can hear the voice of the Lord in your life, cry over your message, pray over your message, and then stand up and deliver it like a man who has a mission. Preach the word. Feed the people. Feed the people. Feed the people. Feed the people. Get some meat and some bread. Preach the word. Somebody give God a praise right now. No, that ain't going to do it. I said give the Lord a praise if you want the word. I want people to come to this church and get so full that when they leave here, they ain't got time to stop anywhere for a snack. I can't go by your house. I, I can't make that booty call. I'm too full. I'm tired of seeing preachers trade a holy call for a booty call. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I can't do those drugs, I'm too full. I can't get in that same sex relationship, I'm too full. Can't gossip, I'm too full. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, we need the word. The Bible said in 1 Kings 10, 5, when she saw the seating of his officials, the attending of his servants and his cupbearers, 
See, when she saw everybody at that place, they had a total buy-in. They were serving, they were connected. And when she saw the complete unity, people were serving. Come on, we give you so many opportunities to plug in, to be a part of our dream team. When she saw everybody doing their part, she stood in amazement. Here's the question. Can the world still find a plugged in, engaged, serving, unified church when they come through the doors? That's why. I don't want you to get married to a position. There are some churches that other people come in and they'll be new to the church and never get an opportunity to serve because that position is on lock. And if you try to shift somebody out of a position and give somebody another chance, these people that you shifted get mad. But here's what you gotta learn to do. Don't get married to a position, get married to a vision. And then you say, wherever you put me, it's where I wanna serve. I'm needing more people to serve. See, here's the truth. When they come in, they see us bickering among ourselves, talking about our brothers and sisters, or do they see us from every race, every background, every color, every creed, every demographic, Democrats, Republicans, independents, all of us, all of us together. <laughs> all of us agreeing about what matters most. Oh, it's quiet in here now. Because I've said it for many years. Stop, say, stop going to a church where everybody is just like you and then say, no, we're in unity. You're not in unity, you're same. For you to be in unity, folk around you have to be different than you. And until we learn that the great agenda of the church is Jesus, then we'll always have occasion for division. But when we come together and say, man, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Oh, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. Come on, choir. Oh, I love Jesus. How about you? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about one moment? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. Oh, I love Jesus. How about you? Oh, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? If you love him, make a little noise. That's gotta get us together. The truth is, y'all, how can we win the world if we haven't won each other? Finally, I close with this. When she saw his ascent, 
by which he went up to the house of the Lord. It took her breath away. There was something about his worship that took her breath away. There was something about his pursuit of God that took her breath away. Baby, I want to be in a church where there is something about the worship in this house that takes the world's breath away. I want them to come here and see you going after God. Give me a little more of that keyboard right here. I want, to, I want to see you pursuing and going after God in such a way that it takes the world's breath away. There was something about his hallelujah. There was something in his burnt offering. There was something in his pursuit of God that took the world's breath away. Let me tell you what will change our church and what will change the people that we love is our pursuit of God. Would to God that on every campus we would pursue the Lord with passion. Now, the very end and everybody's standing, just before David dies and Solomon is crowned king, Solomon was not even in line to be king. But what happened? God supernaturally moved him and placed him at the front of the line. He wasn't the oldest. He wasn't the most qualified. And his mother was Bathsheba of all people. Everything about him said, you should not get this opportunity. But when God makes up in his mind that he is going to promote you, there is no devil in hell that can stop it. When God decides he'll take you from the back of the line to the front of the line, he'll put you in position for raises and bonuses and opportunities and promotions and seasons that you should not even walk in, but he'll do it because he loves you. You're the king's son and he cares about you. He brings Solomon in and he says, no, Solomon's son, listen. He said, I, I, I always wanted to build the Lord a house, but I never was able to because I had too much blood on my hand. I'd, I'd shed too much blood, but you're going to get to do that. You get to build the house of the Lord. And he said, son, I'm going to give you the plans, the blueprints, the specs. And I can see David just before he dies, he gives Solomon the blueprints and he said, Solomon, I wanted to build it, son, but I didn't get to. That's going to be your job. And build it just like these plans say. Do exactly what the blueprint says. Have the beautiful outer court area leading into the inner court area. And then don't forget about the Holy of Holies. Build the brazen altar, the awesome, beautiful brazen altar, that place of sacrifice. Include every adornment, all the beauty and beauty and finery of the inner court. Don't forget the table of showbread, the golden candlestick. Don't forget the, the veil that's supposed to be woven and beautiful. Do all that. Pay attention to every part. The outer court, the inner court, and the holy of holies. But listen, behind the veil is the most precious thing. If you build everything else and you forget this, then there's no need to even open it up. If you build God a house and it doesn't have one of these, 
keep it shut. He said, son, the most important thing that you're gonna put in God's house is the mercy seat. He said, it doesn't matter if you have the, the, the brazen lever, the brazen altar, and the table of worship. It doesn't matter if you have the outer court and the inner court and even a place for the Holy of Holies. If you don't have a mercy seat, don't even open the doors. I would tell you God's house is a big deal because they're the, of the power of the mercy seat. David wanted Solomon to know, son, this is where everything changes. Every house of God has got to have a mercy seat. The church today must still have a mercy seat that can take the world's breath away. It'll take the world's sin away. It'll take their issues away. It'll take their addiction away. It'll take their struggles away. It's all found at the mercy seat. He said, son, when they find the mercy seat, everything will change. The mercy seat in the Old Testament was the place of new beginnings. We have to decide, are we going to build a mercy seat or a judgment seat? I want Calvary. I want every campus to have a mercy seat. I want to build a mercy seat in Ormond, a mercy seat in Palm Coast, a mercy seat in New Smyrna, a mercy seat in Ormond, in Orlando. It doesn't matter how bad things are. It doesn't matter how great your struggle. There is a mercy seat here. There is an altar of grace where your life can be transformed. I don't want just a religious church. I'm not interested in just a religious gathering, y'all. I'm 55 years old. I've been preaching this gospel for 35 years. I'm no longer impressed with denominationalism. I'm no longer impressed with a religious fortitude. What I want is an altar where families can be put back together again. We're broken people. Can be restored. I don't want religion. I don't want religion. I want mercy. Religion says this. Religion shouts, shame on you. Religion says you're not good enough. Religion shouts, shame on you. But mercy shouts, shame off you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Religion shouts shame on you, but somebody give God a praise that mercy shouts. I want a mercy seat. This queen of Sheba, she came with hard questions. Can today's church still answer hard questions. Can today's church, do we still have enough meat and bread? Uh, do we still have enough word? Are we preaching enough Bible? Can today's church provide a place where everybody can get connected regardless of their junk, their issues? Do, do, do we have a church where people can come and find rest and not pretend like everything is great when it ain't?
My son was arrested. My daughter is an addict. My husband, my wife, my job, myself. This is why there's got to be a mercy seat. If you're in this room today, Dare somebody to raise your hands and worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. Coming back to the And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry for for the Yes, it is. 
from the Lord. I'm going to have Pastor Josh and some of my team lay hands on you. Anderson, get a crew together and let's lay hands on people this morning. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around just for a moment, you keep coming if you feel led to come. If you're not where you need to be with the Lord and that you need that mercy seat, I want you to raise your hands right now. I just need the, I, I need that mercy seat. I want everybody in the house to pray this prayer after me. Pray Heavenly Father, in Jesus name I come to you and I'm asking you please forgive me for all my sins take my heart and wash it clean in your precious blood I need you today I receive you today I stand at the mercy seat and I receive mercy I take it if you're offering it <laughs> I want it now, in the name of Jesus, you that are here for healing and breakthrough, stretch your hands toward him. Don't leave until somebody lays hands on you. I'm declaring breakthrough over your life, over your family, over your physical body. I'm cursing 
every attack against you, body, soul, mind, or spirit. I renounce and rebuke it. I take authority over the devil in the name of Jesus. I declare addiction will not hold you and it will not hold your children. I declare cancer does not have the last word. I declare in the name of Jesus that there is still a healer and we receive his power. Now I want you to stay right here. Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message.